Welcome to this bonus episode of Weird in the Wade. In bonus episodes, I'm able to follow up on stories previously covered. It's also an opportunity to delve deeper and uncover more curiosities. It's a chance to talk with different people and hear different points of view. Today, we return to the non-native big cats of Bedfordshire and hear from a new witness. We'll catch up again with the wonderful Welsh storyteller, Owen Staten. So grab a cuppa if you can, sit back and enjoy this bonus episode of Weird in the Wade. Hello and welcome to a bonus Big Cat episode of Weird in the Wade. I'm Nat Doig and in this bonus episode I'm going to investigate another famous Bedfordshire Big Cat sighting, the Beast of Silso. I've got a brand new witness who has seen a big cat not too far from Silso that matches that particular cat's description and at last... You'll get to hear the last section of the interview with the wonderful Welsh storyteller Owen Staten, where he tells us a tale of another encounter with a strange non-native cat and some other exotic beasts. And finally, just last night, I came across an intriguing nugget of information about that pub with the ghost cat in Bedford. All will be revealed later. I want to thank everyone who has been in touch with me on social media since the Big Cat of Biggleswade and Phantom Felines episode was released. The episode received the most downloads in a day ever at that time. And now that the most haunted pub and Biggleswade episode has been out, it's beaten all previous records for downloads on day of release and for the first week. Thank you so much for listening. But back to the big cats. They are certainly popular. Some of you have shared your own sightings with me from as far afield as Pembrokeshire in Wales and Stirling in Scotland. Thank you so much for getting in touch. But let's have a look at what are probably Bedfordshire's most famous big cat sightings. The Beast of Silso. Silso is a place we've featured before on this podcast. Remember the Grey Lady haunting the Old George Inn at Silso? If not, go back and give it a listen when you finish listening to this. It's a lovely little ghost story told during May to Birdsong, the perfect pick-me-up on a cold November day. 
But Silso doesn't just have hauntings. It's also been the location of recent big cat sightings. Sightings deemed so credible that the local parish council put out a warning to residents to be careful. Silso is a small village right on the edge of the Chiltern Hills, not far from Luton, but it really feels very rural when you visit. The magnificent Rest Park is on one side of the village and surrounding the rest of the village are open fields, gentle hills and woods. It's about 15 miles away from Biggleswade. Back in the summer of 2016, a black cat-like animal the size of a Labrador was seen moving from one of the barley fields towards woodland behind West End Lane in the village. This was right on the edge of the village in a popular spot for dog walkers and families. The witness, a man named Rob Terry, appears to have given an exclusive interview to the Telegraph newspaper in which he explained that he had been walking his cocker spaniel when he saw the beast. He's quoted as saying, I just didn't believe it. The creature was jet black with a terrific three foot long tail. It stepped out from the barley and shot across the track. I think it had been eating rabbits, as there were dozens dashing about. Concerned for the children playing in the area, he reported his sighting to the RSPCA, who quite bizarrely told him to not feed the creature. I'm afraid Mr Terry went down in my estimations when his retort to this slightly odd advice from the RSPCA was to say, I would only want to feed it a piece of lead. When the parish council issued their warning to residents about the sighting, it was greeted with the kind of mixed response you would expect. Many joked about it, but others shared information about other big cat sightings in local villages like Barton. One woman claimed that not only had she seen a wild large cat, but she'd seen its paw prints too in the snow. She described them as being 10 centimetres in length and not accompanied by any human footprints. Now, the Huffington Post published an interesting article about the Beast of Silso, and in it they give some background to why there could be big cats roaming the UK countryside. They cover the change in the law in the late 70s and early 80s that we covered in the first episode. But they have a really interesting claim about the Beast of Bodmin. Now, bear with me. I know we're talking about Bedfordshire, but this is relevant. I lived in Cornwall as a child in the 80s, and there were always stories about big black cats being spotted on Bodmin Moor. The Huffington Post claimed that there is a rumour that three pumas were released onto Bodmin Moor by Mary Chipperfield of the Chipperfield Circus family back in 1978. Now, Mary Chipperfield's husband later denied this after her death in 2014. Mary doesn't have a good track record when it comes to animal welfare or safety. In the late 90s, she was convicted of 12 counts of animal cruelty towards chimpanzees. But the rumour is that she publicly claimed that she released the pumas because she couldn't bear to send them to a wildlife park, which just sounds utterly irresponsible to me. However, these pumas are clearly not what is being seen around Bedfordshire, but it does at least give some weight to that argument that some irresponsible owners have released big cats into the wild in the past. 
The most recent sighting of the Beast of Silso I found was some video footage on Twitter recorded by a runner around the Woburn area of Bedfordshire in 2019. Woburn is about 10 miles from Silso. I did reach out to the chap who posted the footage, but it doesn't look like he uses Twitter anymore. Having visited Silso, I can imagine a big cat lurking there, eating rabbits and hares and other smaller mammals. It is very rural. And then I got a message from Alan, a listener to the podcast, who said he had had a big cat sighting between Silso and Woburn, and he was happy to talk about it. We had a chat on Zoom, which you can listen to now. Well, welcome, Alan. And thank you for agreeing to join us um, on the podcast on Weird in the Way to tell us about your big cat sighting. So, Alan, could you just introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, certainly. So um, I was living in Harlow in Essex now. Um, but at the time of this, I was living in Milton Keynes. Oh. And I was actually from Bedfordshire originally, from Harlington, born and bred. Um, and so it was quite nice growing up in a little village, mm. you know, going around the countryside. It was just a lovely place to be. So I must admit, moving to Milton Keynes was a bit of a change, going from a, a small village to a city. But it was nice. And um, we used to go back to Harlington regularly to visit. So, um, oh. so yes. That, Do you know what? Me. I don't know exactly where Harlington is. Is it over sort of the west side of Bedfordshire? Do you know Toddington? I vaguely uh, on, know Toddington. On the junction, was it junction 12 of the M1? If you yeah. come, if you get off at junction 12, go left to Toddington, ignore that, go right instead towards Flittick. Yes. And yeah. Harlington's just before Flittick. Oh, it it's just, just before Flittick. Yep. Yeah. Not far I'll, from there. Yeah. No, definitely. We used to, in the 1980s, go to the big superstore at Flittick. I think, was it? Oh, a big yeah. The Tesco. Yeah. The big Tesco. <laughs> Half so as a, yeah it was in the 1980s they were really new weren't they so Very, it was a really big thing that there was this massive superstore um at, at Flittick so yes I will probably have driven through um, or around Harlington in the past because we were coming over from Henlow so driving that way <laughs> yes definitely brilliant so I'm glad we cleared that up about where it is but that's a lovely part of Bedfordshire over there it's um not quite as flat and featureless as it is over my side of Bedfordshire. You've got no, a few absolutely. more hills and things over there. It's very pretty. Yeah, we're not far from sort of Sharp and O'Clappers and other places. So yes. it's quite good for, for wandering around. Definitely. So tell us about your sighting that you had. Yeah, so I was trying to remember what year it was. It must have been either 1992 or 1993. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was during late autumn winter time and like I say I lived in Milton Keynes but my mum still lived in Harlington and mm. it was Sunday evening and on Sunday afternoon we always used to pop home to visit her with the kids yeah and spend a few hours there and it, our routine was to go the motorway from Milton Keynes to Har to Toddington Turn and then into Harlington yep. but on the way home we always used to do the country roads because it got yes. the kids off to sleep quite nicely <laughs> And so we'd driven up um, from Harlington past Steppingley and we was coming into Ridgemont, just, just outside Ridgemont. Mm. And there was a slight curve in the road. And as we went around the curve, there was something um, big and dark on the, the right hand side on the verge. And it looked like, at first, it looked like someone had dumped a, a bin bag or something like that. Yeah. 
Um, and as the headlights hit it, it sort of stood up on four legs and kind of loped across the road oh, wow. um, to the base of a gate and then sort of just launched itself over the gate and disappeared into the dark. Wow. So it was it was quite interesting because it, although the, um, the we only saw it for maybe about four or five seconds, really. Mm. But by the time we or we got close to it, we were quite, mm. you know, it was like 15 or 20 feet away from it before it jumped over the over the gate and, and disappeared into the dark. So it was in the headlights for, for that period of time as we got, like I say, really quite close to it. And I'm guessing then you weren't by yourself. So you no, weren't the only one to see it. No, the kids were asleep. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the, my wife and I were both like, well, that was different. <laughs> um, you know, and like I say, I grew up in a village. So I know what foxes look like. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had deer roaming around the fields and things. So yeah. I know what those were. And it, it just wasn't any of those. No. Wow. And it was dark. Yeah. So in colour. And did it have a tail? Yeah. I remember. It was, I I would have said it was probably about the height of something like a Labrador, that sort of Mm -hmm. size dog. Um, But it was very dark colour and it didn't have the muzzle of a dog, you know, it had quite a snub face. Yeah. And the tail was one of the things I noticed most because it was like very slender. It wasn't bushy. Um, you know, it's quite sleek and and sort of followed the movement as a cat as it crossed or the animal as it crossed the road. And of course, in that area of Bedfordshire, there have been quite a few sightings over the last sort of 20, 30 years of a black beast of some sort. Most people say it is a cat, um, certainly around Silso and around that side of going towards Woburn, even going down as far as towards places like Luton and Milton Keynes, there's been sightings of a sort of dark cat. So you're in the right area for those kinds of sightings. I'm guessing, um, did you did you tell anyone at the time after you saw it? <laughs> Well, the, that, like I said, that was a Sunday evening. On the, the Monday at work, we were sitting in the tea room mm. and I just happened to mention, I had a weird thing happen to me yesterday and I was talking about what we'd seen and most people just weren't taking any interest. But yeah. one of the guys I work with, a guy called Ken, he, um, as a kind of like hobby or pocket money, he used to do beating at the Woburn Abbey shoots. Yes. And, and he kept saying to me, so how big was it? What, what colour was it? And after everyone had gone, he come to me, he said, I think I might have seen that. And mm. he said that a couple of years before he was doing the beating at the shoot. Yeah. And he was the, if I remember rightly, he was the last one on the left of the line. Uh-huh. So next to him was the part of the woodlands, the copses. Uh-huh. And he said they'd been going for a couple of minutes, putting the birds up for shooting. And he said, I saw something out the corner of my eye. And he said, I looked over my shoulder and he said there was something going through the bracken yeah uh, and he said it was and he said I didn't know what it was at first I called to the guy next to me and said did you see that and he said no he said but it it was he said it was almost like it I think he said it was like slinking away or, or you oh. know creeping away through the bracken like it didn't want to be seen amazing and that yeah. was in a similar area then yes because if it was that, at Woburn yeah so that had just been a couple of three miles away from from Ridgemont where I saw this yeah. thing wow but um, but you kind of left it at that. You didn't go to the newspapers or anything like some people do. No, I, I think, <laughs> oh gosh, you know, I, 
I thought about it. I thought, what how what would you say? Yeah. You know, <laughs> without without, you know, looking back now on it, you know, 30 what was it? Yeah, 30 odd years, whatever, however long it was. Now yeah. I'm sort of in a calmer mind. I think at the time it was a bit more um, I don't know, inside my mind it was like, did you see it? No, 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 I did see it. I wasn't the only one, you know, my wife yeah. was you know, there's two of us there. So it it wasn't like it was just me. Yeah. Um but I suppose it again it was almost like who'd you tell do you yes. tell the police or do you go to the newspapers you know who who do you actually report it to I didn't really know so I just sort of kept it quite a lot I have told quite a few people since um you know as just just talking about oh yeah I had an experience like yeah. um you know I've I've it's quite funny I was talking to one of my colleagues a few weeks back and I said I've never seen a ghost I've never seen a UFO I've never had anything like that <laughs> however the one my one thing that I have seen was this animal that and like I say you know I grew up in Bedfordshire and I know everything and that's yeah. not anything I've ever seen before and do you think it was a a, a, a big cat do you think it was a panther or a, a I can't think or... anything else it could be just the way yeah. it moved you know the the shape of it the color of it mm-hmm. the size of it it just it just looked to me like if if I was going to draw a picture yeah. then it would be that yes that's what it was yeah um, but you know, it, it's at the at the time, like I say, it was almost like a, a bit of a you know, I don't know what to do about this. Yeah. Looking back now with sensible head, you know, I, I still yeah. probably didn't know what to do at the time. Um, but it, it was very intriguing, and, and it like I say, yeah. I've never. I, I grew up in a village. I've seen all sorts. I worked outdoors um, most of my life. Yeah, never seen anything like it before. Never seen anything like it's it since. since. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And it was a very different time, actually, back in the 90s, because we didn't have social media. It wasn't like you could just post that to a website or, no. you know, if if you did see something back then, you know, yeah, who would you report it to? Unless yeah. it was in, a, I don't know if you, in the last episode, Owen uh, Staten told a story about he was a former policeman and he'd been called out because a lady had seen a cat, but she'd been standing by her car. So obviously they'd called the police because they were worried it had escaped from somewhere. And she was actually, you know, standing next, very close to this cat. And obviously it was very frightening for her. So you can understand in a situation like that, why you might call the police. But in a situation like yours, where it's just, crossing the road and jumping over a gate it's like what do you what would you do back then I mean like I say nowadays there are websites that you can go on there's a big cat sighting website where you can list if you've seen a big cat there are people that are monitoring these things it's very yeah. different to how it was um in yeah, the 1990s in those days there's no mobile phones so no, to go, you couldn't take a photo of it <laughs> yeah. one thing I have thought about afterwards and only really recently was that um, listening to your podcast and thinking mm. about my own things was um, there, there's an, an area that links everything, yes. um, the Green Sand Ridge, yes. which goes from was it Leighton Buzzard in the southwest yep. to Gambling Gay in the northeast. That's right. If you look on it, you've got Woburn, Ridgemont, Silso, yep. Eagles Wade, all in that line going up here. So whether that's just a transit point for whatever this was, yeah, um, all the woods and the fields and everything. In, I don't know, but it was it was very interesting for me, and it's still something that I think about a lot today. Yeah. Oh well, thank you so much 
again for for sharing that with us Alan it's really really good to hear and it's really nice to hear an actual you know eyewitness telling their story and I think you're right about the Greensand Ridge we we have that that area across Bedfordshire and like you say it covers it kind of sweeps round the the county and there's definitely plenty of spaces that a creature like that could move through and hide in and yeah, definitely not be seen every day in, if you see what I mean. So, yeah, yeah it's a really good point about the Green Sand Ridge. Mm. Funnily Fun. enough, nothing to do with the big cats, but actually if you look at a lot of the stories that I've told, they all tie in with the Green Sand Ridge, even if they've got nothing yeah. to do with cats. No, so, I think that says something about it. Yes, this is what I'm wondering. And the next episode in November is going to be about the church at Clop Hill, St Mary's. Oh, oh. The abandoned yeah. church. And of course, that's right on the Green Sand Ridge. The scary um, it's one. On, the scary one. It's on the trail. But yeah, if you look at all of the episodes, they're all actually, even the uh, the ones that were around Potton Woods, um, although the Green Sand Ridge ends officially at Gamlingay, the hills and that raised land actually carries on all the way around in a curve through sort of Potton and then down towards uh, Wrestlingworth. So although it's not part of the actual green sand ridge, it's still part of that elevated land. So yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe there is something about that that land. <laughs> Who knows? Have but to check we... out the ley lines. Yes, yes. <laughs> we have to look into that. But thank you, thank you so much, Alan. These big cat sightings are so interesting and I'd like to thank Alan again so much for speaking with me and sharing his encounter with us. Alan also sent me last night a news report in the mirror about video footage filmed in Aberdeenshire at a place ironically called Black Dog of a large black cat limping through a field. The person who recorded the footage thinks it's a hybrid panther. There's a link on the show notes on the blog so you can have a look. And again, I would just like to say a thank you to Alan for all his support, for agreeing to do the interview and for still sending me articles and anything that he finds around big cats. Thank you, Alan. But now it's time to listen to the last section of my interview with Owen Staten, the wonderful Welsh storyteller from the Time Between Times podcast. Previously, he'd shared stories about being called out to a big cat sighting when he was a police officer and also about a big cat that prowled his childhood neighbourhood. In this last section, he tells some more interesting stories about some exotic animals that he has seen while out walking. Back in the pandemic, I went through a little phase of seeing sort of strange animals because I, I do a bit, um, a bit of running. And um, I was literally running along the canal in Neath, which is quite a big town. And I saw a wallaby. And uh, it was at the side of the canal. <laughs> and um, I took a photo of said wallaby. And I, th I think I've, uh, I can show you that. But mm. um, uh, And it went through a phase where this wallaby was seen quite a lot um, in the area. So um, there was that. And then I also, um, I was walking in the woods behind my house that I've described with my my dog. And I saw the strangest little cat that I sent you a oh, photograph of. Yes, we must um, get this. And it was bigger than a, a domestic cat, but smaller than anything else, but had this grey ball of fur about it and really strange ears, which um, were flat to its head. And as my dog and I sort of came out on the path, we stopped and looked at it. 
and I got my camera out and took a photo. It had its back arched, probably because mm-hmm. it saw the dog, and then it rushed off into a bush. And I, strangely enough, as I was saying um, before we, we came on air here, I was last week. I was away on holiday, and I was in a in a place where they had a um, a lot of photographs of different animals from around the world. And I found a photograph of what is called a palace cat, mm-hmm. which is actually from the Himalayas, but I looks know. remarkably like what I saw up in the woods. So yeah, they they're out there. They're definitely out there, Natalie. And and that, yeah. that's you know, it's it's. Uh, I've been lucky to have some encounters. That's the the main one for me. The ghost cat, I don't know, could be in my imagination. <laughs> Uh, and the other two uh, were ones that sort of affected me quite quite a lot, really. But, yeah, it's been yeah. nice to chat about them. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, on the wallaby, I remember that being in the news during the pandemic because you had in Wales the, t- the, the village where all the goats appeared. They all came down off the mountains yeah. and were all in the, in the t- village. But that's I actually right. read about the wallaby being seen as well. So mm. I think because of the lockdowns and everything being so much quieter, a lot of these animals that maybe wouldn't normally come into the wild uh, come into contact with us felt brave enough to because there was fewer of us wandering around and driving our cars and just generally doing human things um mm. and the wallabies actually escaped well some of them did not far from here at Whipsnade Sioux um I think it was back in the 60s and they set up a colony and they've just spread across the country <laughs> no, I don't know if it's your bad, wallaby in Wales is one of the ones that, that originally, um, because obviously there's, there's been other cases where wallabies have escaped. But um, yeah, yeah, apparently wallabies fit in very well to our sort of ecosystem over here and, and do quite well. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, it's been I had the fright of my life. I, I just remember running and mm. then turning around and seeing that. It was at the other side of the canal, so it was probably about mm-hmm. twenty feet from me. But it just stopped and looked at me, and again, I took a photograph of it. Yeah. You know, it was, but it was strange. Yeah, it was really good. Really it good. is such a strange thing to see. Um, to mm. you know, even when I was in Australia, and you see them in the wild in Australia, uh, you're just gobsmacked because we don't have anything quite like that <laughs> over here, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, that's been it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much, Owen, and um. You can catch your podcast. Do you want to just tell us, because you've got two podcasts, haven't you? Do you want to just tell us a little bit about them? My first podcast is called Time Between Times, and it's a storytelling podcast, exactly what it says on the tin, essentially. But it... It's all based around mindfulness, really, and, and sort of us being in the story. So I start the the podcast with a preamble, getting us into the state of mind to actually be and empty our mind of all those worries and cares that wander through our mind throughout the day and to concentrate on the story. And that's called Time Between Times. I do a lot of ghost stories. I do a lot of Welsh myths and legends and stories from all around the world. And the second one is called Spectre of the Sea, which I do with my friend Bethan, who uh, Bethan Briggs-Miller, who um, I mentioned earlier on, and that is more of a docudrama where we travel around the coast of Wales and it has an ongoing story and plot line and um, we come across lots of strange characters and strange stories in that as well. So anyone who um, who listens here and is in, uh, weird in the way is more than welcome to join me on either of those podcasts. Yeah, and if you enjoy what you hear here, you will definitely enjoy both of those podcasts. They're brilliant. Thank you so much, Owen. Thank you so much, Owen. And coincidentally, there was a TV programme on ITV last week all about the zoo that Owen mentioned in his first interview. Again, I'll 
post a link in the show notes to it. Owen's latest terrifying Time Between Times episode also includes exotic beasts at the Tower of London's Menagerie. So when it comes to strange animals and exotic beasts, you can fill your boots. And finally, I said that last night I discovered some strange information about the pub in Bedford that has a ghost cat associated with it. The pub is one that has had many names and themes over the years, being called everything from the bull-nosed bat to the square and the apt name of the chameleon. The ghost cat was seen in the flat above the pub, curled up on a chair, only to disappear into thin air. But Dead Pubs of Bedfordshire, who have a couple of great books out and an Instagram and website, posted last night that the pub, most recently known as Vodka Live, before it shut during the pandemic, has another creepy story associated with it. Whilst it was being renovated between one of its many rebrands, a human skull was found in the building. Now, as the pub is opposite St Paul's Church, which would have had a larger burial ground than its current one in the past, it's maybe not so surprising that bones and skulls might be found in that area. I've not found anything about this after doing a quick search, so I'll do some more digging and see what I can find out. And talking of bones and skulls, don't forget that our next full episode is the tale of St Mary's Clop Hill, known as the Black Magic Church. It's a tale chock full of folklore, rumour, wandering bones, grave robbers, desecration and destruction, magic rituals, panic and poison pen letters, ghosts and ghouls. And I have to face up to one of my biggest fears in telling you this story because it haunted my nightmares as a child. All things going well. It will be out on the 27th of November. Thank you for listening to Weird in the Wade. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Alan for sharing his experience and to Owen for sharing his. Please do get in touch if you've seen a big cat around Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Hertfordshire, any area really. I'd love to hear your story. Thank you to all my listeners for being patient and waiting for this bonus episode and update, which I had hoped to get out last month, but my health and life in general just got in the way, sadly. If you enjoy Weird in the Wade, and I'd hope you do if you've got this far listening, then please do follow the pod on social media. There's links in the show notes, but also you can just search Weird in the Wade on most social media platforms to find us. You can also email me at weirdinthewade at gmail.com and thank you to those of you who have done that to give me feedback and to make suggestions. I really appreciate it. If you're able to, rating and reviewing the podcast where you listen is a big help in letting other people know about the podcast. I know I always say this, but it's true. It really does help people find us. And I do have a Ko-fi page, which is a website that enables you to donate funds to the podcast for the price of a coffee. The funds raised go towards the running costs of the podcast. Thank you again for listening. It really means the world for me that you're enjoying these tales that I tell. 
Weird in the Wade is researched, written and presented by me, Nat Doig. Theme music is by Tess Savagir and all other sound effects and music are by Epidemic Sound.